0: This is a Media Lab Podcast. Dave, I am literally slicked with sweat right now. This is so disgusting.
1: I, I You should put on clothes, but I also think that you shouldn't. First yeah. off,
0: don't body shame me, all right? I do that enough for the both of us.
1: Oh, it's so wet.
0: <laughs> everything is so, yeah, everything is so moist around us here. Our stupid air conditioning busted. I, th- I think we need to call a repairman of some kind, or else I am going to die in this ship, and I don't want to I, do that. At least not not beside you.
1: I just watched Gravity, so this is going to be great. I'm going to go out, step mm-hmm. outside a spaceship, and make a call.
0: Okay, great. And this is going to work out fine. Do you do that?
1: Yeah, this is going to work out fine. Excellent. Hello there.
0: <laughs> Hi, Prospector Joe. you look an awfully a lot like David, but with just like a different mustache.
1: Dave can't grow a mustache like this one, sir. I'm just going to
0: push you out the window. On a rinky-dink spaceship headed back to Earth, Kyle and Dave are stuck on board with an evil machine. This giant robot is forcing them to watch films it picks. If they don't obey, then it'll be the end of the world again. This is mostly Kyle's fault, but he's not going to face an apocalypse alone, especially not on this ship that seems to be held together with tape and imagination. This is Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. Welcome to Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle.
1: I actually don't know who I am. I could be one of many different people.
2: And I'm the machine.
0: This is a podcast where a sentient machine was forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse, and I'm pretty sure that helps protect against the Daywalker, known as David Yun, as he has as many different personas. Anyways, another apocalypse happened, so somehow it's used its powers to transport us across time and space, and now we're on our way back to Earth. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, but I said daywalker, daywalker, right? I should have said planeswalker. That's really what it was. You're a planeswalker. I'm not. I know my deep D D lore. Anyways, wow. today we're going to be talking about Plaza Suite. Walter Mathau and
2: Maureen Stapleton have the Plaza Suite. I brought your toothbrush. You
1: forgot my pajamas.
2: I didn't forget. I just didn't bring them. Why not? because it's suite 719 at the plaza and i didn't think you'd want your pajamas you
1: know i can't sleep without pajamas
2: i took that into consideration i don't understand you one lousy little bag is all i asked you to pack
1: walter Mathau and barbara harris have the plaza suite
2: I'm nervous about meeting you, Mr. Famous Hollywood Producer.
0: I haven't changed since I left Tenafly. I made a couple of pictures. All right, so we have. Uh, we want to give a big thank you, of course, to our patrons, Green Girl, YYC, and It's a Conspiracy. And to pull the curtain back just slightly, we are, of course, Dave on a spaceship heading on our way yeah, back to the fiction is deep and rich, and not in. Calgary, Alberta, Canada that is currently experiencing a heat wave where I have no air conditioning and I am dying. That's not what's happening. But our but our spaceship does not have air today's conditioning. Like, today's the
1: cool week. Today's the cool
0: day, Kyle. In two <laughs> days, it's going to be even worse. This is going to go <laughs> well I'm for looking you. forward to it so much. <gasps> you should vlog it. Dave, I know you don't have much of one. I'm going to ask this question anyways.
1: Uh, Self-respect.
0: Plaza Suite sits in this great... Uh position here right now, because of course we have not watched it yet, where it is basically schrodinger's movie, right? It is both good and bad at the same time. we just don't know it could be it could be good, it could be bad, and who can tell but what I really want to know is about Neil Simon Neil Simon has an extensive career on television on Broadway, and in film, and I believe, as you mentioned here a couple weeks ago, you have no idea who that is. he
1: sings songs right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right with his with his pal bart garfunkel
1: <laughs> he's got like frizzy hair i think they play ukuleles or something that's neil simon yeah pretty sure. right oh does he say stuff this he actually has simon two stories?
0: anthropomorphic uh chipmunks that he's friends oh. with oh uh i think related oh. with
1: but. yeah me and alvin go go back
0: um so yeah i'm, I'm guessing by that is that yeah, you have no idea who neil no, simon is no okay
1: i'm i have a life kyle I, I do stuff, uh, but please explain to I, me how Broadway I, I, is important. I, yeah,
0: well, I'm, I'm, every, every time this comes up, all I have in my head is someone shouting, uh, Dave was cool, smoked and probably had sex in high school. <laughs> and Kyle, you are you. So you, you know all this stuff that nobody else cares about. That's that's kind of how I think. That, about
1: that it. That is definitely what I say in my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's actually me Kyle outside your window with a little like a megaphone this mic
1: is sensitive it's picking up everything it's fascinating
2: if it helps I hate both of you equally
0: Neil Simon I mean I'm not going to go through his entire CV but I mean odd couple barefoot in the park wrote the book to sweet charity god there's another big one I'm forgetting here too anyways he's a cats. big name when it comes to Broadway he wrote cats <laughs> Uh, No, he did not. <laughs> he totally did not do that. But uh, I just know him because, again, if you go and watch a lot of 60s, 70s movies, you'll eventually run into it's like a Neil Simon production or Neil Simon presents. Or when it gets revived on Broadway, it's like a Neil Simon play or whatever it happens to be. Like his name still carries a little bit of weight. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like he was like a big deal. Like his name alone could open up a show it was guaranteed like this is gonna at least run three months if not more just because his name is attached to this now as recent events may may indicate and i'm speaking here of of course in 2021 where uh, in the heights was just released just because something is super popular on broadway does it really mean it's going to matter anything anything to anybody when it's released as a movie? So that I understand that there is some di- cognitive dissonance that's happening. I with love me. This,
1: that this is a realization for you, but yeah, please continue <laughs> enlighten me about
0: the the
1: separation between Broadway I mean, we'll get, and the real
0: world. Well, I mean, I think there was a time, though, maybe more in like the fifties and into the early sixties. Where it's like, oh, your thing did really great on Broadway. We're going to make a movie out of it. And it's going to make a, a set amount of money. Like, there was just, You're right. Uh, there's, a, there's a feeder yeah, system that happened. They, with that. they have
1: a relationship. But popular culture has devolved, in my opinion. And people can't handle writing. They right. just want shiny flashlights in their face. So it's not uh-huh. going to work anymore.
0: I, okay, wait a second. Wait a second, though. I mean, you say that. And I don't necessarily even disagree. But I want to I want to call you out here on something because week in and week out here in 1971 anytime there's a movie that comes out that like is being a little bit more adult or pushes boundaries or is going to be like we're not going to treat the audience like they're dumb you're like oh this was too uh too uh, uh, nihilistic for me or this was too pessimistic for me is is that is there, a measure is, is of a way their to...
1: of their writing or uh just cuz they're bad movies where's the <laughs> Where's the separation?
0: What I'm saying is, is someone trying to tackle a difficult concept. I'm trying to run uh, a marathon. Should I
1: get a medal? I don't know. You know.
0: (laughs) Should I get a participation trophy? you stupid beta cock. Like what? What do you want? I'm happy if
1: I finish, but uh, I'm not expecting my name in the newspaper. So
0: no, I agree. I'm trying (laughs) to make more. I mean, I guess I'm trying to be a much more nuanced point here, which is that. Of course, like just because a Neil Simon wrote a play, or if it's me, just because uh, Stephen Sondheim wrote music and lyrics to a show, I'm not saying like, well, instantly this has to be revered or thought of as great art. At the same time, I find it sometimes frustrating, and this is such an like an ad, am I using this term right? An ad hominem attack. Mm. I'm trying to sound mm. fancy. Uh, that's, that's this might zombies, sound
1: right? you're invoking zombies.
0: No, it's a I'm hominist, creating a straw man. Yeah i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to create a straw man argument here which is i find that oftentimes yes people and critics will criticize lowest common denominator stuff Mm. film television whatever but then whenever anyone tries for something more they almost hate it more because like how dare you try for something how dare you like Try and do something alternate than what everybody else is doing it, does, it. I guess it feels like it no one can win and for me I would much rather go and see a movie or watch a movie that is trying for something and fails than being like oh god, I'm gonna watch million dollar duck again, or I'm gonna watch this thing That's not even trying to be anything. I don't know. I don't know if that means anything to well,
1: you, well, you know, I didn't prep for this conversation, so I can't come up with examples,
0: but I'm I'm using basically, honestly, the biggest one is Carnal Knowledge and I think um, Last Picture Show. Again, I'm not saying that you have to like the movies, but at the very least, I have to give them points for like, well, they have a point of view, they're trying to say something out of this, and they're not being like a, an easy even solution to this. Fine. Rather than maybe the movie we're going to talk about today.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> not that we've seen it. I mean, uh, that would ruin- yeah. The deep and rich fiction I guess just off the cuff again I can't cite anything I have the general opinion the opposite's true where modern critics contemporary critics only seem to give favorable favorable ratings to uh, angry films that are cynical mm. and uh, poignantly depressing but uh, the other thing I was thinking about is we just rented uh, we just rented a movie on iTunes and it struck me again how many films which movie was it a uh, nobody? It, it was right, fine. Right. We could we could review that later. I you might know maybe not specifically, but there are like twenty, fifty movies released a, a week. You know, like indie small features, like all kinds of international. international. Like there's a bunch. Yeah. yeah. So the sheer volume of complete material, whether it's good or not, that isn't backed by a large studio. You know, that's that's an interesting thing to think about when you when you bring up this type of argument. I have an opinion of course on how i personally have to digest films so you know last picture show will i acknowledge that the writers are trying to uh, have a let's say philosophical sociological discussion about mm-hmm. why america's failing yeah and that part is very interesting do i care no because like uh, it's it's over america's fucked let's move on
0: I don't really like labeling ourselves as critics. We're I don't think critical. we can be as lofty. <laughs> We're pretty critical. For me, and I keep coming back to this, is that the way that I judge films, and I also acknowledge that I tend to go to the more positive side because I just like film. I have to judge a movie first on like, what is it trying to do and does it accomplish it? Mm. And I can answer that question and be like, okay, it does this and accomplish it. And then secondarily to that, did i enjoy the experience Mm. Uh, because those can be two separate things like i think it sets out to do this it does it well i just hate this movie because i just don't enjoy that type of thing and i think that that is an interesting conversation to have this also gets wrapped up in like i'm like watching these movies from 1971. a movie like carnal knowledge a movie like the last picture show uh i'm trying to think of another good one let's
1: let's talk about omega no
0: No, not in Mega Man. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking specifically that I would, I'm honestly, I would even say like the French Connection to a degree. These are movies that could be made, but they're going directly to Netflix. They're not getting a wide release into theaters. They're just not, and I just hate that. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I think that there is a place other than super low budget films, huge two hundred million dollar blockbusters. We have lost the art of that mid-tier film that used to do fairly well. I grew up in the '90s, where it's like any uh, like Sly Stallone movie was basically like that 30 to 40 million budgeted film. Again, not that they were good. Uh, uh, Cliffhanger is excellent. Yeah, cliffhanger is amazing. (laughs) A
1: masterpiece.
2: I wish that movie had ended with a cliffhanger.
0: But even stuff like like a Philadelphia or um god i'm trying to like do some deep pulls here
1: we weren't pre- we're never prepared for these conversations so. like
0: misery well those types of movies aren't really made or they're wrapped into the fast and furious <laughs> franchise or into a superhero well, film about, you know what i mean uh,
1: jordan peele's films or uh right
0: low budget quiet, film quite like that place. was like under i think horror is a little bit different but i think you're right i think that's a good example quiet place is probably the closest that we're getting but outside of the horror genre i don't see like the procedural or like the family drama or or any you know, of those types of things it's either like 12 years a slave which you know like very strong oscar contender design. super way, depressing right? or you get like mad max for your road love that movie but it's like there's no middle ground it seems like anymore they go straight to netflix and people don't watch them and then they are forgotten I,
1: I don't know i mean i i feel like at my core that you're wrong, and not because I can prove it, but for example, uh, citing Netflix. But because I feel well, this it. is, I mean, well, your earlier point about trying to weigh the uh, intent and its expression before your experience. It, this explains why we're arguing so much in 1971. Uh, I clearly mm-hmm. work the opposite way. Yes, but uh, so for example, bringing up the Netflix argument and how uh, that's the new straight to DVD, you know, type of world. I don't think a that's true, and b. I think the scale of technology is moving so fast. I don't think that's actually a very old phenomenon. I think that's like less than three years that that's become a quote-unquote meme. And Even three years ago, a lot of these mid-budget films were coming out, whether they perform well is more a reflection yeah, a of, of yeah. Uh, yeah the American public. It also kind of reminds me, I, I've been hanging on to this thing even though it's just a blog post from so many years ago by that Mark Manson guy. And he talked about how the age of information's over and now it's the age of attention. I firmly believe that that's a great observation. Nobody gives a shit about knowledge anymore. People just want to be seen or want to uh, watch someone being seen. I mean, there are now all these layers. Like When my brother or somebody told me that people pay to watch people play video games, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And now I do it. You know, I watch chess matches and I've watched people play fucking, call, I'm not called dude, it makes me a throw. Well,
0: he plays Rook there. He plays Rook there. Seriously.
1: Like I do that now. Sorry, Kyle. This layering of experiences is changing the way we can have these conversations. You know, We see that in books. We see that in film. Uh, even on Broadway. I, I don't know. I don't go there. I don't uh, keep up. You know, people who are listening are like, what the fuck does this have to do with pleasure? I know. No, this, this does. No, this, do this, do does with, cause but, this is something that I was going to bring up.
0: I want to actually go more into this, but this, this is kind of almost turn into a separate podcast. But uh, something that I read on Twitter, which I actually agree with, which outside of the already stars, and I'm talking like movie stars, I don't think there's actually been a new movie star in maybe two decades. And when I say movie star, like I am talking about like that traditional like, I am a movie star, right? It's like, that is what people know me for. Sure, you have still your Tom Hanks. You could probably throw Tom Cruise oh, and Harrison Ford in there to a thing? bit. Hold on. But, but, like, can you think of anyone that's like, oh, my God, like, that massive movie star that's there? Outside of, like, again, a franchise or a superhero thing. Right. Where it's like, now yeah, you you just, you're Downey putting Jr. a little limiters.
1: Give me a second here. Let me think. Because there's a generational gap, but... The younger kids who are coming up in that world are also subject to greater cancel culture. So the idea of celebrity stardom has huge asterisks all over it now because people are waiting to capture you doing something really fucking stupid. John Krasinski, he is he's not a movie star.
0: He is not a movie star. Uh, oh, uh, his wife. He might be a TV star. Emily Blunt. See, I, I, I don't see her as a, as a movie star. Like I, I. I there's a very specific thing here. Uh, and it's hard to even for me to verbalize but it was just something again someone else mentioned like oh that is really interesting outlook because i think you're right like when you think of like again i always use the oscars as my default and when you have like a jack nicholson sitting front row like oh god there's jack that's amazing i don't have that for emily blunt like emily blunt sitting is like oh my god like again meryl streep cool uh jack nicholson awesome katherine hepburn when she was around cool but it's like I don't know anyone don't who could know. do that. Now, I'm not saying that that could never happen again. I'm just saying it's weird that there's been this weird desert for like the last couple decades. I don't know. I mean... I, we need another Walter Math no, no, that was don't. what I'm trying uh, to say,
1: too. Gross. I, I don't know. I, 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 I want to be able to go and do some homework on this. I don't know. I'm thinking like Christian Bale, Anne Hathaway. Uh,
0: again, no, they're not that big. They're not big enough. They're not someone who know. opens why, up like, a movie why, like that. Why
1: not? Matthew McConaughey, right? I mean, what?
0: show sh- show show me his like huge box office okay, like whoa whoa uh, whoa we'll to-
1: who uh mcconaughey i don't know i mean his renaissance he, he was like post 40s right? like there's
0: there's fit i think there's popular directors i think this does not translate into the sports world where you have people like kobe and and those types See, of again this is a generation like, oh my I god mean, like those people dead. But, but they're younger <laughs> and stuff like that, and they they no, can I'll still get draw. Me, And singers know. have the same thing. Like there are huge pop stars that can p- cause well, people to like freak okay. out. Le- but like I just don't see I don't see that happening in the movie star generation. And I think it's because of the fracturing. I think it's because you don't have that like same zeitgeist around. Oh, this new film opening because there's so much content being thrown out that everyone is just thrown into the same. Yeah, bundle. I don't
1: know. I mean, I'm I don't know. i do not know. All I'm thinking about is apparently people still play hockey. And uh, I was seeing people talk about hockey. I was surprised that many of the people that I knew played hockey are still playing hockey. But, um, you know, so it's like saying, oh, no one will ever be as great as Wayne Gretzky. It's like, yeah, the sport evolves. So, can somebody with an obscene amount of talent who weighs 150 pounds soaking wet skate around a big bunch of fucking buffoons who are still smoking cigarettes and chugging beer after games? No, of course not. The generations passed. Are they comparable? Every single player in the NHL right now would beat the shit out of Wayne Gretzky. These guys walk around at like 250 pounds or more agile than anybody.
0: I mean, you can say the same thing for like American football players. You have like, you have literally linemen who are 300 plus pounds who can like probably out sprint some sprinters like they can go.
1: We revere someone like Jack Nicholson, who transcends acting, frankly, because he's just got a face. In a time when literally everybody knew each other, they all seem to have slept together and I lived know, in the that's same what we're apartment. Finding, yeah. Um, now, now there's this cornucopia. Like we talked about, child actors. Look at all the kids that are coming up, and whether they make it or not, whether it's ethical to have a, a, such a well-trained, well, yeah, actor. well-trained actor at ten years old. Who knows? But I, I think we're talking about two different things. And
0: well, I think we are. I, well, and I'll probably five, cut out half five of this, five anyways. Now, yeah. But but I I think it all is all combined. We started talking about Neil Simon, how his name could open up a thing. I think that I'm just trying to make the point that I don't think people can do that anymore. Companies and brands can. And I think that's a completely different world we now live in where Marvel can do it. If it says Fast and the Furious, it can do it. If it says Christopher Nolan Presents, it can probably do it. But it's not a like, oh, Tom Holland is opening up a movie this week or um know. You know, and hathaway has a new musical that's coming out like those don't have the same cachet that they used to have i don't know uh in our i think it's weird how the 70s were so insular and that like literally everyone knew everybody yep. to now where it's like we have three companies now that essentially own 99 percent of hollywood yep. and what they say goes in a manner of speaking, and I think yeah. that's and is it better or worse? I mean, I have my own opinions on that. It's just a different world that we live in, and for me, it is now brand awareness is what's important rather than like a star or star power, like a Walter Matthau, who was the seventh highest rated box office draw in 1970. And this is the other problem
1: with this conversation is that it's only in that era somebody as fucking stupid as Matt Walter Matthau could be a superstar. Right, he wouldn't make it today.
0: No, he wouldn't, and that's so the thing. Again, and, my but point, this is the thing. Like,
1: it's like I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe is that good or bad? Yeah, I guess is that good? maybe this is question. I'm, I'm trying right
0: to now. make a moral judgment, but I don't think I'm trying to say that. I'm just saying it's a very different world we live in. Some, I mean, it was just such a dumb thing to say. But I'm both yearning for there to be a bit of a return to the 1970s. So this is the
1: thing: your nostalgia is about something w-
0: that evolved for a reason.
1: No, it, that it disappeared for a reason. Right? Yeah. Like what what are we really nostalgic for when you bring up that conversation? A in the light that you love MCU, Fast Fierce, and indie films. Like you sent me the one, uh, yeah. is it the straight story or whatever it was? I mean, that's a fantastic movie, but that movie never gets produced, right? Forty, fifty years ago. So, um, I don't know, Kyle. Like, what, are you really, what are you asking for here? I mean, we... we, we
0: I, I'm kind of asking, as I always want, is like a middle ground of some sort. I think you just is want all. Want... You don't want a middle
1: ground. You want, you want Blockbuster, you want Iron Man, and you want Catherine Hepburn to be resurrected and transcend all of yes, it. Yes, I do. I, w-
0: I would love Catherine <laughs> Hepburn to be resurrected. Come on, I man. think what I'm really asking for, to kind of go back, and this is tangentially related to Plaza Suite. A movie that I probably am not going to like. I'm just going to point <laughs> we, that out. There's no but,
1: way we're getting to Plaza Suite in this episode.
0: <laughs> we should just do the episode where we never talk about the movie. Especially the bad ones. Um, is this is what we, we should do for Million Dollar
1: Duck. Fuck, I can't believe we actually talked about that movie.
0: Because uh, we're th- we're literally 30 minutes in and we have not yet gone to talk about our movie. Uh, this is all getting cut out. No, it's but, not. Um, we can't.
1: We spent too much energy on
0: this. What I This is what I'm asking for. <laughs> ...is for people's mentalities to change, which I, which is why I know it's never going to happen. I take a look at the uh, box office, again, of 1971, right? And you have the films, like Carnal Knowledge, like Last Picture Show, being in the top 10 grossing movies of the year. Again, never is going to happen nowadays. And I, I hate bringing this up in a way, because it's like, I'm smart, and I want smart movies to be the top of the box office... But I think what I'm really asking is: there to be that blend? Yes, I want popcorn movies. I, that's, I fell in love with Hollywood in the first place because of those types of movies. But I am also 38 years old now, and I don't want that to be the only type of thing that gets released. And those things that we are look that uh, that I find, I guess, uh, intellectually stimulating, are things that are made on shoestring budgets. Like, oh, this would be maybe better if they could have afforded a light to to actually film
2: it.
1: I don't know. I I think these are experiential arguments, meaning you are talking from within the paradigm or the, uh, the blinders of the movies that you choose to watch and you watch a lot of movies. So I don't mean this in such a uh, derogatory way, but I think that the, the nature of even measuring box offices has changed too much. You know, the idea that Avengers Endgame made $2 billion means that it's an unmitigated success. I think that's what's bullshit. I mean, many people went and paid $25 a ticket to see it so they can talk around the so-called water. I mean, I don't even know if there's water coolers in offices anymore, but...
2: Pretty soon there won't even be water anymore.
1: They go see it because you want to be able to talk to your friends, but... On the flip side, that movie gets funneled back and we do get movies that are made. They're not as shoestring as we think. We're just getting too used to having CGI that looks like basically we can replicate actors now. When we flip back and we see all these sub-content that's coming out, like even on Apple TV, which is Right, high budget everything. These TV shows yeah. and their own private productions don't exist without the Avengers. We could argue whether they're good. I mean, I tried to watch Mosquito Coast and it made me want to punch myself in the face. But
0: I read the book. But that's and that's
1: fine. the thing. It's like, but they're getting made. That's also something that.
0: Well, I think that's also my problem. To be honest, is that people continually tell me when I bring up these arguments. It's like, oh, well, it's because the stuff you're looking for are TV shows now. Well, and I just don't want to spend 20 plus hours I watching know. something. You're I too- want my 90 minutes to two hour time. Trying this is
1: to- this is the other, that's the ask, Kyle. Like, what do you, you want it all. You're not trying to play the middle, middle road. You actually want everything, right? You want, you want, you want what you no, want, wa- when you okay, want, here, here's how it, you here's want the, it. Here's my
0: ask. This is the, here's my actual <laughs> ask. The, 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 this uh, prestige TV that's being made. Give those creators 40 million dollar budget to make a two-hour film that's what they i want they can't
1: they don't think that's what I want. they don't think in 90 minutes right and you can't cram as much sexual content per minute of screen uh in well, a you know you have this weird thing too
0: it. uh i actually find that most modern films are sexless like there's literally no sex that happens film in them. no i'm talking about I TV. Know, tv is like crammed with it so it's like a weird yeah, yeah. thing but
1: then yeah. you can't that's what i mean you can't take that producer or that director and ask them to make a 120 minute film They'll be like, I don't have enough time to show full buttocks grinding with sweat. Like, how do you even tell the story in 90 minutes?
0: Maybe I just want to see but a movie where know. Spider-Man fucks. Maybe that's just what I'm asking.
1: <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. Tom Holland's not going to be babyface for too long. Although, they'll just reboot it. They reboot everything. Reboot everything.
0: everything. Yeah. All right. Um, like All right, I said, I'm going to be cutting two-thirds uh, of that conversation uh, in the toilet. It
1: in. This is what people want to hear. Is it, hear. though? They...
0: But here's, here's my thing. If people <laughs> have actually listened to this whole thing uh please write us in uh kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com uh let us know your thoughts and like where am i missing or what am i missing where should i be looking to find this like super great stuff not that i don't think great stuff is made every year but it's like i'm craving that mid-budget film and i'm just not finding it anywhere what
1: about nomadland what about That's all not, the oscar movies yes
0: but nomadland is a, is, is is a independent feature Nothing wrong with that, but it...
1: But what does that word even mean anymore?
0: Like the Philadelphia what you're saying like that, the... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of...
1: That makes me think that not just that you're wrong, but that there's a way to explain something here, but I'll have to ruminate on it because I wasn't expecting... <laughs> I was just expecting to yell at Walter Mathau for about 90 minutes. Um, I'm going to think about this though. I think it's a good... This is a good argument. This is what our podcast should be. Yeah. Just a weekly fight <laughs> about... How we think the others wrong. Um,
0: let's do this. We're, we're going to go thank some sponsors, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about the movie. Plus the suite. Finally, <laughs> uh, uh, it's
1: shit. The end.
0: Dave, do you know what this room two thirty seven is here on the ship? Mm, I don't know. The door's locked. Do you think we can get in this way? I've I've seen like what I think might be blood seeping out from underneath it. So maybe we should leave it locked until sweeps week, and then we can open it for like huge ratings.
1: I just, are we talking about the right movie? <laughs> are we in the wrong suite? Or what? What? What's uh, going on?
0: I, I don't know. Maybe. What number is this? Uh, are
1: we supposed to go to
0: 817? Eight, 719? Eight one seven, seven one l- listen, I'm from the 619, so oh, no. that's all that I care about. I am the furthest thing from that area code, by the way. I don't even know what it is. I'm
1: not even sure what it is.
0: So I should tell you that Kylan Davis The Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This week, I get to talk to you about ATB. Specifically, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about ATB Cares. This is something where you can donate to your favorite charities through ATB Cares, uh, which is this platform that allows you to donate and have your donation matched by ATB to further your impact. So here's the thing. With ATB Cares, giving is easy. Donate through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to an eligible Albertan charity, maximizing the impact of your donation. Visit atbcares.com. To choose your cause and donate today. What's your cause, Dave? Well, I'm going to tell you because I have to Great. read
1: this piece right here. What does this say?
0: Hold on. Start with each. Okay. It is in binary, so it's a little bit harder to read this week.
1: One zero 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 one.
0: You filthy
1: man. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to D-D-D-D-D- your forest. Your forest is a pod. My forest? Uh, oh, no, no, your, your forest. forest.
0: Uh, one word. Oh, like share.
1: Your forest is that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your forest. Yeah, it's great. Your forest great is podcast.
1: A- your forest is a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get your podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's your, Y-O-U-R, no apostrophe, no E, forestpodcast.com. Are those two twin
0: girls at the end of the hallway
1: i told you not to i don't even i think we're in the wrong hotel
0: all right dave i have a feeling that we fought more in the first half of this podcast than we're going to fight here in the second half of the podcast although i know straight up that i probably am still going to rate this movie higher than you are uh tell me your thoughts hi tell me your thoughts on plaza suite
1: (laughs) oh it's shit i i so i'm just now thinking about what we were just arguing about for so long so in light of what we're talking about, here is a film that should have remained a play, would have, fun- must have, and would have functioned better as a play. Here's a movie that if you wanted the conceit of using an actor to play dip- three different roles, why are you not letting the, whim- one, the female lead do that?
0: Which it's, happened it's in the play, by the jo- way. That is what happened in the play.
1: It mean, must. That's how this thing's designed, uh, and it's jarring. And the third part is uh and this is why this movie could never exist today because because of so-called cancel culture each of these characters is an asshole but they all get what they want you know what is Uh, what is this movie really exception
0: but sure yes
1: okay we'll talk about it but as a whole as a project as an experience if anyone is still listening skip this fucking thing it's awful there are some great performances and not none of them are from Walter Matthau. I also agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's okay in the third act. I don't know. Because he plays an asshole father and he gets beat up a little bit. So you're like, okay, I'm into this now. Someone punch him in the face.
2: Dave understands what it's like to have a face people want to punch.
1: The women in this are great. The female leads, uh, so-called co-stars. I don't know. They probably didn't even get title. I don't remember if they even got title
0: credit. They came and bowed at the end, Dave. Of course they did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those films... Like you talked about, these indie intellectual films, I left the so-called couch theater wondering why this even exists. And this is a generational problem. We talked about this with uh, Carnal Knowledge. I think the role of what a man was supposed to present as, act as, you know, how a woman is ought to be. uh, These roles have changed the definition so much that it's hard to watch this. I can't understand any of it.
0: (laughs) Um, not that we record these episodes out of order. Um, so I can't actually remember if I have said this or am about to say it in a future episode. <laughs> but I do need to acknowledge the fact that I am such an easy person to suspend as disbelief. Like, basically, mm. the opening note of a movie can happen. Like, okay, that's a, the world I'm in. You're in. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just I think my superpower is honestly is somehow my brain tricks itself into being like, oh, it's 1971. Boom! I can just be in that year. This is not a good movie. Uh, this is a failed movie, in my opinion. We have talked repeatedly about how things that work in theater don't necessarily translate to film and vice versa. And I think that conceit of having only one person change the role throughout it, for me, it just straight up doesn't work. It, it, it's too odd. Or at the very least, the look of the person needs to change drastically, where it's not like, oh, that is obviously Walter Matthau again. Just without a mustache you know what I mean like it has to be something more I I think of a movie v- vastly different in tone uh but cloud Atlas if you've ever seen the movie cloud Atlas who which I which honestly I'm a huge fan of like the one person who likes that movie is me anyways what I'm trying to say here is it, th- this movie does not work the one exception there's the one exception that I have because I think two the second and third for me are abject failures do not work for me on any level the third one is supposed to be like this zany madcap like pratfall thing and i didn't laugh once it was like i just want this to be over this is not this It's more annoying than it is interesting
1: frustrating it's frustrating
0: i loved the first one though i actually really enjoyed the opening and i was like oh is this what the entire movie is i thought they changed or something because i could read up a bit on the play oh i kind of want that movie i want to see like yeah they don't have to stay in the same plaza suite. They could go different places. But, like, I want to see an exploration of that relationship more rather than breaking that up into these other two things that I could not care less about.
1: That uh, opening number uh, is excellent. The writing is sharp. Uh, the acting... And it's because the... Fiend, Mar- Maureen Stapleton. She is, is.
0: phenomenal. Oh, I love her. She's
1: incredible. Yeah. And as she's kind of devolving into... I, I, I wrote down, like, is this gaslighting or is she actually losing her mind? But... That is a fascinating yeah, I think
0: part of her, why it works so well with her is she is the original actress in the play. Uh, ah, so, so she knew she what, she was, what doing. she was doing. She was in all three acts. The way that she is able to blend comedy with like suffering frustration, and frustration yeah. and the like, anger, all of that yeah. builds. That thing is so good. And then it was just like, I want this movie to be over so badly <laughs> right now. It's it is so bad after that. There's like, I don't, like it's not even well, I, I'm actually struggling to see like, did this actually work even as a play or did people just come because of the Neil Simon name attached to it? Because I don't even see how it would work as a play, to be honest with you.
1: The, so the first act is great. Uh, I agree with you. I, I was watching it and I was like, you know what? I hate this guy from the last movie we right, had to right. watch at the minute, but uh, this is watchable except that. I, maybe it's because I'm supposed to hate him. You know, he's brought up as an asshole and, you know, I'm really rooting for this woman to kind of just settle this thing out. It was the second act that fucks up the uh, suspension of disbelief because he's so gross in it. The character's gross. The acting's gross. The uh, the woman
0: is, is actually pretty good, but she's so completely out of her well, mind. Well, this is the thing too, and again, this is this has to do with casting. And this is kind of true for a new leaf, to be honest with you, even though I like that movie and you don't. But I do not buy Walter Matthau as a Lothario, as like a playboy type person. was disgusting. Yeah. No, no. I just don't buy him as being like- Not even money. Not even money. I mean, mean, I'm trying to be nice about it, but it's like, not even with money do I think that this would work. No. Um,
2: Kyle would spend the night with Walter for the right price. It's not necessarily so
1: superficial as to say like, you know, if- Yeah, Matthew McConaughey played this. I could get it because he's got abs. It's more just Walter Mather doesn't have that uh, charisma, sex charisma. He has asshole charisma. So when he tries to play all perverted, kind of it's disgusting. And it would have made so much more sense if uh, Maureen Stapleton continued each of the roles. because. It took me so long to understand that they were supposed to be childhood sweethearts. It actually sounded like he was a predator. He's like, Oh, remember when you were coming out of high school? I'm like, this dude is like <laughs> 80. You know, it's and she actually looks young. They picked a very beautiful young woman to play this housewife with three kids. And you're just like, I don't I don't know. And the whole thing is spinning off the rails. Um, and then by the third act, I I just I'm surprised I watched it. To be honest with you. Well,
0: but, uh, th- that's the thing. Like I, why I'm not giving this like the lowest possible score I can give to it. Like, so there is some interesting, I think, like framing and, 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 and direction in this. I don't think it's anything to write home about. I, I want to be clear. Like you said, the performances are good. I just think that Walter Matthau was miscast in the, in the next two acts. I really wish in the film that they had done three different couples. I think it would work better in a film version of this play. For whatever reason i just don't think people buy you playing multiple characters that close to seeing each other especially when like it literally is walter Mathau character walks off screen a new walter Mathau character walks on screen with like a blonde wig and then it's like i'm a new character and for a moment i'm like did he is that the same person <laughs> like what's what's going right. on i <laughs> say so, oh no you're a completely th- different person yeah
1: <laughs> Like the concept, you know, we're following a room instead of a, a story, and that we're getting uh, insight into three generational or uh castes, yeah. right? The businessman, the Hollywood producer, the, the doting father. And then I don't know, yeah, is it Walter Matthau? Is it the writing is it because it shouldn't have been a film? It's hard to tell, but something, something's broken, something's deeply flawed.
0: Yeah, um, I, I just, I. Maybe, In this maybe what I am really wanting is there to be more connective tissue rather than it just being the room. Mm. Because I don't think that that's enough for me to really connect with, like, why these three stories? Why them together? I think I need more of, like, if they want to do, like, budding romance, newlyweds, married for 30 years. Like, okay, that's interesting. We can see the progression of relationships. Even if it was the same relationship or something like that, that would be interesting. But as it is, it's three wildly different stories, three wildly different tones, kind of just smacked together. I'm like, I don't really get why these are all being told together.
1: I was just thinking of four rooms. Yeah. But you know you know what would have made this work? And maybe not that well as a film. So we're going to actually but, use know, a time machine. A Nick,
0: we're going to go back in time like, listen, <laughs> Walter Bubby, it, we, think... we have an idea for you, okay?
1: <laughs> I mean, and maybe I'm wrong about this. You but... will be you if you had, if you had uh, not done the cutaways to the outside of the no. hotel, and if the camera had always been placed in the same part of each of the acts. so if we always see the same shape of the room, and yeah, you know it comes what? back like, to the same I, I starting
0: position every time. And it's then, possible yeah.
1: they tried that and we just don't notice yeah. it, but I don't think they did. And so the room doesn't feel the same. And then all of a sudden you're just fighting to understand why they're even in this place. Like, you know?
0: especially the the third one, the bride when it's like, are they even in the same room? Because it looks like a different right. setup for some reason. Yeah.
1: If you had a director who was meticulous in that aspect, I think this could still play uh well in a film. But it would have to understand that. It's called Plaza Suite because it's supposed to be about the room, not Walter Matthau. And for whatever reason, we talked about this in New Leaf. I still don't understand why he's famous, but he's so famous that they've dovetailed this thing for him to be center stage in each of the acts. He's not good enough. He's not charming enough. um, Yeah. He's just- I was thinking about this. His characters aren't strong enough. No,
0: Interestingly enough, I think had they actually used his like- odd couple slash grumpy old men partner i think jack lemon could have done this
1: jack lemon could probably i, I don't th- even like jack lemon that much Whoa, but he could probably pull this off you yeah.
0: just dropped a nuclear bomb how do you not like jack lemon
1: well i don't i don't name me a movie he's the made the apartment Ol- is
0: one of my all-time favorite films of all time all right fine
1: just i don't know
0: the china syndrome that's Bruce. the only other one I think I can think of.
1: is <laughs> <laughs> the thing I got. I don't know if he's a great stage actor, but he's not Tuesdays of my generation. Tuesdays with
0: on HBO.
1: But Jack Lemmon at least uh has that sort of oddball, like it's more of a hyper energy as opposed he's to this also, like
0: misery. I mean, you're going to know a lot about Kyle Marshall here in just like two seconds, but he's also more attractive than Walter Matthau. So there's <laughs> yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can look at his face without okay. getting upset. All right. All um, right. <laughs> And this is definitely me and likely a generational thing, but the fact that he had a film career to our earlier hour, uh, introing this episode, is why Kyle, you have an unattainable hope that we could live in the 70s again. You don't want Walter Matthau to be a superstar, right? That world that generates people that transcend film made... Walter Matha. <laughs> and this is a guy that maybe he was great on Broadway because you can, you know, his energy, like you talked about, uh, size, what was his name? Wolf. No, uh, in Fiddle on the yeah, Roof, yeah. the guy that couldn't play him in the film. Zero must yeah. Zero, zero must You know, so theater and film are different. It's like TV sure. and film. There's, there are these barriers where it doesn't translate. Maybe that's half the problem, but, you know, it's hard to watch because, um, I am not compelled to, to care. And I was only held in because of the female leads who were great and could really embody these characters. But I was distracted because they should have just picked one or, like you said, had three different male actors and just ran with three stories.
0: You know what it is? It's sort of like an involvement of that old Seinfeld joke talking about something that none of the young people care about anymore, Seinfeld. But there's like that moment where Jerry...
1: Friends just had a reunion and people give a shit about that. Well, they do because it was
0: on Netflix and people rewatch it constantly. So 20-somethings yeah. know what it is. But it literally, go back and watch Seinfeld and every every plot point could be like, if you had a cell phone, this would not have been an episode because <laughs> you would just called... It's like
1: every movie in the 90s, every action film.
0: There's the old joke where uh, Jerry's dentist converts to being Jewish. And he's like... Does it offend you that he's Jew? Does it offend you as a Jewish person? He's like, no, it offends me as a comedian. Like that's that he's becoming telling Jewish jokes when he just converted to Juda- Judaism. I have the same thing here. It's like I'm not offended that this is a bad movie. I'm actually offended that it's calling itself a comedy because it's like I don't find a mm. single thing about this funny. Yes, Maureen Stapleton is able to bring some light comedic moments, but like the idea that if you look at the poster of this, it's like this is a madcap farce and everyone's going to be like chuck chuck chuckling the entire time, like. They're not because it's not funny and it, I don't understand how this would even work as a comedy and it frustrates me because it's like, just say that you're a drama then, like, just say that. I
1: think, I mean, I'm just trying to replay, let's say, act one. If you get like a Jack Lemon who can do all of these uh, pantomimes of the American businessman, but in a fully satirical lampooned and, you know, like Jim Carrey type of way, just like physical comedy you know, overdoing it, really, really pushing it, Uh, that could also be hilarious because the whole point is that you're supposed to see this guy who just thinks he's above, you know, reproach. But with Walter Matthau, I don't know, he's almost deadpans. It's awful. Like, it's hard to watch him because he's just so angry. He looks like a miserable person.
0: (laughs) He he never looks like he's actually having fun being in a film. No. That is true.
1: No. And so, it's hard to have fun with him.
0: By the way, uh, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot is another Jack Lemmon movie, which is great. Is that Jack Lemmon? And Tony Curtis.
1: He's much younger than
0: (laughs) Maybe they just need like Dana Carvey from Master of the Skies. That's that's the movie they should have made. They need Yeah, Jim Carrey could pull Turtle Man. Uh, all right. So here's some backstory, if you care. Plaza Suite was released on May 12th, 1971. It's rated 6.5 on IMDb. Oh, it's high. It's not. So Anything high. underneath a 7 means people hate it on IMDb. You say
1: that a lot. Because like, rate super high. If we divide that by 3. Yeah. I know, but if we, sorry, if we divide that by 2 to get out of scale of 5, that means the average rating three, floats something. above yeah, a 3. Oh, come on.
0: My rating is under a 3. I just want to point that out. Um, <laughs> Sw- 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 not available on Sw- Metacritic. Sw- Rotten Tomatoes, 63% from 8 critics. 50 still high well it's only eight like like no one has watched this movie except for us in like the last 40 years uh it's 56 percent from 500 users
1: and still high. only
0: available on dvd no no blu-ray release dave no what? blu-ray release
1: we, i need that's to know what, that's what have made the. we needed this remastered that's what i need that's a, making what's screwed a
0: featurette up. of plaza suite from 1971 <laughs>
1: it's just walter mathos smoking cigarettes telling you to go fuck yourself
0: <laughs> uh you can buy or rent it on itunes you can rent it on youtube and in canada there is no place to like stream it i don't know what the budget was i couldn't find information on that it did make four million dollars which is 26 million dollars with inflation
1: rentals i sent you a highlighted text. I, I
0: guess you did but that's what they used to call box office was rentals its plot description is Three vignettes, each set in room 719 of New York's Plaza Hotel, make up this comedy.
1: (laughs) Is it maybe supposed to be a play play on words? Maybe.
0: Uh, It stars Walter Matthau as Roy Hubley, Jesse Kiplinger and Sam Nash. Maureen Stapleton as Carrie Nash. Lee Grant as Norma Hubley. And Barbara Jaros as Muriel Tate. Anything you want to say about any of those actors? We've talked about Walter Matthau ad nauseum. (laughs)
1: The only thing I dug up, I mean, um, Maureen Stapleton is fascinating because of her Broadway background. Yes,
0: and we have heard her already this year. She was the voice of the mother in Summer of 42. Isn't that interesting? interesting. We didn't see her, but we heard her yell at her son as he ran away.
1: The only thing that I thought was interesting is Lee Grant getting blacklisted for being a communist, which I think is fascinating. Yes. Did you know Uh, that? I think I read that, but I don't know
0: too much about that. But this is her coming back after the blacklist. It must be. That's yeah. right.
1: So, like, she was about to make it, but she was married to I can't remember his name, who was blacklisted. We were talking about how the FBI runs yeah. Hollywood. Her husband at the time. It doesn't matter. I didn't really look into it too much because uh, I was flipping on my phone about two hours before we recorded this um, at the park, where I clearly mm-hmm. have exposed myself to the delta. Well, don't variant. whoa, ho,
0: don't expose yourself in the park, Dave. That is. A way to go to well, jail. Well, I
1: wouldn't be the only one. I was at Stanley Park here in Calgary and uh, I would definitely not have been the only one exposing myself. Yikes. I'll just quip again, this movie should never have been made and uh,
2: don't right.
0: watch it. Um, this is like the least amount of information that the machine has ever spit out about a movie. Did
2: you really want to read more?
0: Let me just read it here. This was written by Neil Simon, adapted from his own play, directed by Arthur Hiller. So Neil Simon, as we've discussed, was kind of this huge deal on Broadway. Uh, We even talked a little bit more about him during the Mike Nichols Carnal Knowledge episode. But he started his career in television, most notably for your show of shows. Do do you know that show at all, Dave?
1: No, it wasn't my show.
0: (laughs) It wasn't your show. It is one of those shows, kind of like in more recent years, how a lot of people consider actually talking about Dana Carvey again, weirdly enough, how the Dana Carvey show weirdly spawned like. Seven huge careers out of it because that's where Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, Louis C.K. and like a bunch of other people started as writers on that show. Your show of shows was hosted by Sid Caesar, uh, which was was huge in comedy for many, many years. But the writing team was uh, Neil Simon, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner uh, before they hit big. Uh, In fact, Carl Reiner would use his time on that show to create the Dick Van Dyke show, which was literally about a comedy writing room, but it was about Sid Caesar. Like, that is what that show is about.
1: Uh, Can I just bring up again, like from our first hour, this is exactly why this generation can never (laughs) exist again. Yeah. You will not not get... You will not get three uh, generational comedic minds sitting in a room. I, I don't know if that's true, actually. I mean, you know, like you brought maybe,
0: up. Maybe I think I think it's going to happen again. Like I, I find like the pendulum yeah. swings back and forth. But it's like Carl Reiner, we're Mel Brooks, Sid Caesar, and Mike. Or sorry, and Neil Simon. Maybe those are not really household names anymore. But if you look at like the, the influence all four of those men have had, is like it's bonkers yeah. that they were all sitting in a writer's room for this one TV show. So after his TV work, he begins writing for the stage, most notably was Barefoot in the Park and The Odd Couple, both directed by Mike Nichols, both which made make Mike Nichols a Tony Award and both which were made into films but were not directed by Mike Nichols. Uh, he holds the record for the most amount of shows running simultaneously on Broadway with four. So he made a lot of money that year. Let me tell you that he would write plays. Uh, books for a few musicals. Uh, one most notably was Sweet Charity. Do you remember Sweet Charity, Dave? No. Well, Sweet Charity was the musical that was based on Knights of Kiberia, which we talked about on this show. Right.
1: So, uh, this show or the yeah, This show. This show.
0: Uh, anyway, so big deal. Seems so long ago. I know. Hmm? Back back six months ago. We need to,
1: <laughs> yeah, we need to get back to the uh, top 100 list. <clears throat> Just saying. So Maybe you. we'll get Just to watch say.
0: Seven Samurai at some point, Dave. Uh, anyway. He's this big deal. Plaza Suite was another Nichols collaboration on Broadway. So this play was their, I think, third or fourth collaboration. Nichols would actually win his third best director, Tony, for this show. Simon, I will say, Neil Simon is notorious for any, like, filmed adaptation of his work of being, like, super, like, you do not change a single word that I have written. Which is why he had such a bad time working with Elaine May the next year in 1972. With the Heartbreak Kid. So a play that he wrote. She adapts it but changes a bunch of stuff. I think for the better. But uh, <laughs> so anyways. It's interesting that he worked with both Nichols and May. In kind of different capacities. And one was like this fruitful relationship. And one was a very contentious relationship. Uh, in the show as we said. It's two. It's the same two actors who play the three different roles. In the play. The young. Uh, whatever they call it, The clerk or the guy. Who, Handles the bags. What is that guy called? Bag handler? Uh, Bellhop. 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 It was played by Bob Balaban in the play, which is fun. Do you not know who Bob Balaban is? He's in literally every Wes Anderson movie. He's a short little bald guy with a beard, usually. No, racist. Okay. Arthur Hiller was brought on to be the director. The 70s were probably his most fruitful or his biggest heyday. The films of note, I would say, up until 1971, this is Kyle projecting here a little bit, would have been the two films he made the year before in 1970. The first was the original Out of Towners, which starred Jack Lemmon, and not the revival that had uh, Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin in it. And then Love Story, which he received a Best Director nomination for. Love Story, by the way, is the movie with the tagline being in love means never having to say you're sorry, which I'm sure Dave, you would agree with me, Yikes. is supreme bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> being being in love means that you have said sorry many, earnestly, many, a time. many, many times.
0: <laughs> um, and then I, uh, this is again me uh, writing this in. The movie was released to general apathy and negative reviews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, you know who, what name? Uh, it's on Wikipedia. Peter Sellers could have made this movie. Oh yeah, Peter
0: Sellers would have actually made this like probably a whole lot better. Yeah. Anyways,
1: Mathos like the poor, not even the poor man's Peter Sellers. Just, just (laughs) he's just
0: another person. I don't think there's anything like deeply resonant with this movie or anything like socio-political that we really need to get into in this movie. But is there any final words you want to say about Plaza Mm -hmm. Suite?
1: Yeah, I I actually liked all uh, the female actresses. I think from uh, finger-pointing thing, which we bring up. Every movie in the 70s, it's clear the male chauvinism, it's clear this inside uh, inner circle thing that Walter Matthau gets yeah, title and lead and then a character that, you know, uh, what is it? Neil Simon should have known better. Why isn't he jumping in here and saying, my play was meant for two actors to yeah. express three different stories, but you know what? They're just women, right? Like that's, that's, the, te- that's the sense you get from this.
0: The only one thing I will say, and very slight credit, is you can really tell, definitely in the early 70s, if if, I honestly, if you study the 70s and even the late 60s to a degree, how obsessed America became with divorce, like obsessed. There's actually a I'm movie with like, Dick Van Dyke about him having a divorce, and there's Kramer versus Kramer, and there's a bunch of different movies that like are all about divorce and the effects of divorce and like, what does this mean for the family? And like, they were freaking out because as women were getting more and more autonomy over their bodies and their lives. uh, Yes. Divorce rates were rising in in the seventies. So you can feel like that preoccupation almost with that in the first one, the philandering in the middle.
1: Philandering in all. No, not the third one. I guess the third one is so reductive of the daughter. And yeah. that was the worst part. The fact that she you doesn't know, say anything that, is like the... No lines and it turns out, what was she worried about? Like,
0: Well, the guy just has to come in and be like, hey, stop being a... Get the fuck out. Yeah, that's basically like, stop being a suck bitch and like, then leaves and that's basically awful. what he says. And then it's like, oh, I love him. And then she comes out and they have the wedding. Awful. But,
1: awful. Don't watch this movie. Yeah,
0: it's bad. One.
2: We're done here.
0: Here's what the critic said. I'm just going to wrap this up. The, yeah, the machine has told us we have to we have to go.
1: Yeah, someone's playing the music. Let's
0: go. Let's go. Neither Roger Ebert or Pauline Kale have a review for this movie.
1: Of course not. They have self-respect.
0: Uh, the yeah. only thing I could th- find is on the Ebert <laughs> website. It's not even written by Roger Ebert. Is the um, obituary for Arthur Hiller?
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. I just.
0: And it says. <laughs> Plaza Suite was an adaptation of the Neil Simon stage comedy that was already a bit stodgy and dated, even though it was only three years old. The other review, I went back to Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that was it? That was it.
1: No, oh, that was great. Yeah,
0: good. The The other one was from Rotten Tomatoes. I went there. I went to the eight critics, two of which you can actually read the reviews that that were left. No, oh. And this is from Tony Mastro- Mastroianni. Mm. Sounds Irish. Uh, from the Cleveland Press. uh So it says, it's Gaelic for, uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well-studied.
0: So it says, for Matthau, it is a tour de force, a reminder that before the man became heavily in demand as a comic performer, he was one of the best character actors in the business.
1: What the fuck? (laughs) When was this? When was this written? I don't know. Oh,
0: God. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No. Yeah. I am a no-no for I this. I am I'm not even a no yeah. yes. I'm a no-no for this this no. week. No. As far as um culturally relevant, this is not the only adaptation of this work, right? We have this movie in 1971. 11 years later, in 1982, HBO shot a restaging of it. It was like in front of a Broadway crowd as this play was being performed again, starring Lee Grant in the three female roles. And uh, Jerry Orbach oh, was, the, was the male lead in that one. And then in 1987, Carol oh, Burnett nice started in a television movie where she played all three female roles, but it was three different men. That uh, <sighs> hasn't been relevant maybe since the late 80s, maybe? I don't know. I don't. Maybe no. it was not even then. Well, Dave, I'm looking forward to seeing what you rate this. Um, before we do so that's what dave and i thought what do you think maybe you enjoyed your stay at plaza suite please give us a rating or review wherever it is appropriate you can give any feedback to kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com sorry you can send any feedback you have to kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter or instagram with the handle KDVSTM. vstm if you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given you can go to our Letterboxed page at letterboxd.com slash And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar a month. Of course, we do not want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, what would you give this movie out of five?
1: One. Are we watching Dracula versus Frankenstein?
0: No. Why would we?
1: Oh I, oh, I just saw it on the list of... I'm so bored. I just went to the list of movies of 1971. All right.
0: Okay. So you're saying, Dick, <laughs> that this is uh for you. I'm just trying to look at your other ones here. <laughs> you're saying that this is as bad as Billy Jack. You hated Clockwork Orange. You hated Omega Man. So you're saying it's at that level. Yes. Wow, I didn't think I was going to be uh, this much higher than you. Let me put you. Let me put it that way. Um, <laughs> I I agree. I am giving a an extra few half points just for Maureen Stapleton. When I say I liked her performance, yeah. like I loved her performance.
1: She's grading it. I should go up a half. I point. I am still giving yeah, it man,
0: a man. failing grade of two point five though.
1: That's not a fa- two point five. Oh my god. Where I
0: went to university, a fifty percent was a fail. That was an F. Uh
1: listen, Kyle. Uh, what, okay, give me give me some two point five movies quickly off of your. I also gave two point five to, I to com- Billy
0: Jack, uh, Nicholas and Alexandra, and of course I gave like Sweet Sweetbacks a one, Death in Venice a one, Million Dollar Duck a point five. So yes, I think that's fair.
1: Two point five.
0: Here, here's the thing: is that I also am thinking about this aesthetically. So again, it's not like completely it's
1: not short, not short, shot poorly. No, I, mean, I don't know. But
0: uh, this is. Come on, I don't know. I, I, it felt right to me to do it that way. I feel like ones are reserved to ones like, this is barely even a film. Like, it's not even shot well. Like, there's bad things I mean, happening right. that way. No, that's Regardless, a Regardless, this is I not mean, a good I, film. I'm not recommending anyone watch this. This is not a good movie.
1: It's great. We're bringing up all the stuff in the first hour. Yeah. You are going technical, technical experience. Yeah. And I got stuck in experience. <laughs> and I ignored the technical. I, I would... I would get argued up to 1.5 if we were right. going to give uh, the female acting well,
0: its we're not doing that. A- so uh, this is going to <laughs> average out to a 1.5. We don't have to debate anything more because that's going to go squarely into our new 19th position.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Uh, cool. Which I think is kind of where it belongs. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what we review here next week. Let me just uh, push this button here. Oh, boop, boop. Dave, I'm so excited. What a great bounce back from this week. Uh, next week, we get to watch one of my all time favorite films. Harold and Maude is what we get to watch next week.
1: Is that a movie with Matthew Broderick in it?
0: No, not at all.
1: I just have a picture of a young man with like Matthew Broderick. Not every there.
0: young man is Matthew Broderick, Dave. <laughs> what is it with you? Every young man. It's not Matthew Broderick. No, it's Calgary, Alberta. Of course, it's not Matthew Broderick.
1: <laughs> well, uh, no, I, I don't know. I've heard the name. I know that there's a movie called Harold and Maude. And that is the limit of my understanding Great. of said film.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I look forward to talking it can't about- Can't be
1: worse than this. Oh, yeah.
0: no. It is far and away better than this movie. All right. i uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sweating balls here, Dave. I <laughs> I
1: can see I'm that. So... We talked about it. You should put on some clothes. Disgusting.
0: All right. Maybe I, can, <laughs> maybe I can just go and get like, go outside this ledge and get rained on or something like that.
1: If you go out the door, it's zero. Oh. You know, a- absolute zero, but it'll probably cool
0: you off. You know what I would rate Walter Matthau's kissing ability? Absolute zero.
1: <laughs> In Calvin or Fahrenheit.
2: If it helps, I hate both of you equally.